Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The portion of God's Word to which we draw our attention this morning is the Gospel reading for today from John chapter 6, beginning at verse 22. I'll read again the very end of that that reading. Please rise as we hear the words of our Lord. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. This is the word of our Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, these are your words. Make us holy through the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. You may be seated. COVID. One mention of that word, and it brings many different things to your minds, I'm sure. But there's one thing that I want to talk about having to do with COVID today, and that's simply this. One of the interesting side effects or symptoms that many people who have COVID or who have had COVID experience is a loss of the sense of taste. Now, to me, that would be really difficult to lose your sense of taste. Imagine how boring eating would be. I mean, part of the, part of the joy of eating is not just making your belly full, but it's the experience of being able to taste the food, the sweet, the salty, the sour, the bitter. If you can't taste what you're eating, well, then eating just becomes something that you, that you have to do. It becomes very utilitarian. Now, I think that the people that Jesus was talking to in the text were being somewhat utilitarian about their eating. Many of these people were the same ones that Jesus had fed miraculously in the wilderness. And remember that they had wanted to make Jesus, because of this miracle, they wanted to make him their king. They thought it would be great to have this food all the time. Today we hear about Jesus trying to get them to think differently. He wanted their brains to be on a different wavelength. And instead of focusing so much on the physical, he wanted them to think more along the lines of the spiritual. And the climax to what Jesus tells them is when Jesus says that he is the bread of life. When Jesus makes that statement, I am the bread of life, what he's saying is that he is the bread that gives life. And we see also that this life lasts forever. This is one of the problems that the people that were talking with Jesus were having. They were focused on the here and the now, what was in or not in their bellies at the time. Do not work for the food that perishes, Jesus told them. The bread that Jesus had provided them in the wilderness, well, even that bread eventually would 
go bad, it would get stale, moldy. Any food, regardless of how well it's preserved, is going to go bad if you give it enough time. Even the manna in the wilderness, as we heard in the Old Testament reading, that was not intended to be a a forever food. When God gave this food to them in the wilderness, it was indeed a very gracious thing that he did. Here the people were grumbling and complaining, whining like little children that they wanted to be back in Egypt in slavery so that they could have enough to eat according to what they were thinking. So God, in his grace, gives them food. He gave them quail in the evening and he gave them bread from heaven, the manna in the morning. When the people went out the first time to pick up this food that was on the ground, they said in Hebrew, manhu, what is it? And then we transliterate that into manna. Now to show in part how temporary this manna was, God also gave specific directions not to gather in more than what they needed. If they did, the next morning when they would look at that manna, that extra manna that they had saved, it actually had worms in it and it smelled pretty bad. Food, physical food, does not last, period. So why do we spend so much time and energy and so many resources trying to get it? Yes, it's necessary to survive, but do our efforts to get it go overboard sometimes? Or how about any of the physical things that we have or any of the physical things we pursue? Think about how much stuff we tend to have, maybe especially as Americans. We have so much. Do we actually need it all? Is it absolutely necessary for our survival to have as much as we do? Could we, perhaps, take everything we own and cut it by half or three quarters and still be just fine? Now, I don't say that to make anybody feel guilty about what you have. Our physical things that we have are blessings from God. It's when the pursuit of the physical becomes all-consuming that we're edging, perhaps even plunging into sin. The physical bread of this world is temporary. Jesus is the food that endures to eternal life. That's the mind shift that, that Jesus was trying to accomplish with the people he was talking to. They wanted bread. They focused on the manna that that God gave them in the wilderness. Jesus wanted them to focus on him. They were focused on the here and the now. Jesus wanted them to think about forever. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst, Jesus said. Faith. Faith is what Jesus was seeking. He wanted the people that he was talking to to believe in him. He wanted them to stop focusing on the physical things that he could give them, like bread, and to focus instead on the life, the spiritual life 
that he was offering. That's a hard shift to make. Here we are surrounded by the physical all the time, good and bad physical things. It's quite hard for us, for any of us, to concentrate solely on the spiritual, to rise above the the pleasures and the pains of this world and to think about the things of Jesus, the matters of faith. Faith is such an intangible thing. We can't touch it. We can't see it. But we have it. We trust in the one who didn't really care that much about the physical, who had nowhere to lay his head, as he said in Luke 9. Jesus took on the physical when he took on our human flesh. And he showed us how not to concentrate on the things of this world. He lived a completely materialistic, free life in our place. And that life, that perfect stuff-free life, becomes ours when we believe in him. But how can you believe in something or someone that sounds so unbelievable? You get offers, right, that sound too good to be true. Maybe it's in your email. Maybe it's on whatever your preferred social media it is. Maybe it is through the old-fashioned way of a phone call. Something that sounds too good to be true. Respond to this email and we'll send you this magnificent whatever. How about a fabulous trip to Barbados for only $199? Look at these offers on Amazon that only last for the next 24 hours. The old saying still rings true. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. So when Jesus tells the people in the gospel reading that the life that he gives is a gift, well, they had a hard time believing that. They couldn't really grasp that concept. Jesus said, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Now, I think at this point, the people's hearing kind of stopped. They heard work. And their response was, well, what must we do to be doing the works of God? That's the natural reaction to hearing a fantastic offer. What do I have to do for it? Many of the Jews of that day had been raised to think that their spiritual life focused on works. Their religious leaders had told them, here are the lists of rules. Here are all the things that you need to do in order to be right with God. So when Jesus mentioned work, well, in their minds, they could only think of one thing. And they virtually said, well, which ones? What do we do? Now, the reason I said that I think the people had turned their ears off is because it doesn't seem that they heard what Jesus said next. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. Their ears go off. But Jesus says, which the Son of Man will give to you. Jesus wasn't imposing another set of rules or even one more rule on them. He made it quite clear that what he was talking about was a gift, pure and simple. You're seeking bread? 
I am the bread of life. I give you this life. You do not need to work for it. Now, we're not told the reaction of the people when Jesus made this statement. We actually hear about that in next week's gospel reading. At this point, it simply seems that the people had their hearts set on doing something to get what Jesus offered. So what does it take to get the gift of eternal life? Well, Jesus makes it clear that there is no work to be done, at least not by us. Attaining eternal life, life that goes on forever, comes with great effort. But Jesus is the one who made all of that effort for us. And he accomplished life for us. Now you may have heard it many times, maybe more times than you can count. But think about Jesus living a perfect life for us. Keep in mind that Jesus is indeed, after he took on human flesh, after he became incarnate, as we say, he took on that human flesh and that he is one of us. Every day he walked this earth, he was bombarded with the same temptations that we are bombarded with. The temptation to focus on the physical and to want the, the creature comforts of this life, check. The temptation to want to avoid physical pain, in Jesus' case, to, to avoid the pain and the suffering of the cross, check. The temptation to want food on demand without any effort, in this case, in Jesus' case, Wanting to turn stones into bread after fasting in the wilderness for 40 days? Check. And Jesus avoided giving in to temptation. He did not sin ever for the 33 or so years that he walked this earth. How many of us could make it one day without committing a sin? And this life was so perfect that God the Father put his seal of approval on Jesus, as he said in verse 27. Think about, as Jesus is living this perfect life, at Jesus' baptism, God the Father says, This is my Son whom I love. Listen to him. When he was transfigured before Peter, James, and John, the same thing almost. This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. It was very clear that God the Father was pleased with the life that Jesus was living. He put his approval on him, his seal. Jesus' work of attaining eternal life, eternal salvation, also included his work of dying. But Jesus didn't suffer humiliation and torture and that agonizing death on the cross because he deserved to. No, he went to the cross of his own free will. He wanted to do this work in our place. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. When Jesus was on the cross, God, in full approval of what Jesus was doing, looked at Jesus as having the sins of the entire world on him. Our sins, 
Our sins are what sent Jesus to the cross. Our sins are what caused Jesus not to focus on the physical, in this instance, the pain that he was suffering, but he focused on the spiritual. He focused on our eternal well-being. Jesus worked hard in life and in death so that you don't have to. He simply says, believe. And even that is not something that you have to do in the sense of trying to muster up faith on your own. God the Holy Spirit creates faith in you. The best example of this, think about a little child, a little baby who is baptized. What does that little baby do to be brought to faith in Jesus? Because we know that the Bible says that baptism does work faith. Well, that little baby does absolutely nothing. It receives the grace of God when that water connected to God's word is poured on him or her. Life is worked in that little one. And that's how God gives us what Jesus worked for. Jesus did the work. We receive the benefits. And that's what makes Jesus the bread of life. He is the bread that gives life. Life that he gives to us freely by his grace, by his undeserved love and mercy. And since Jesus is eternal, the life that he gives is eternal. So how does this bread taste? We typically associate taste only with the physical, with physical food. But I suppose we can also think about maybe our spiritual taste buds. If we broaden our, our thoughts about taste out, not to be just physical, but more experiential. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him, the psalmist writes. Yes, taste is not just physical. But it is something that we experience. In this case, something we experience spiritually. Every time that we receive God's word, we taste it and it is good. Every time that we receive blessings from the Lord, we taste that bread of life. Every time we receive forgiveness of our sins, we taste the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life, who gives life to you forever. Amen. Please rise to receive the blessing. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.